Please make sure you wait for the Jets to come to a complete stop before gathering your dub and departing for your bye week. I think I'm going to need a drink after this. Actually, <laughs> I need a drink right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Next Man Up podcast brought to you by the British and Irish Eagles. As you can tell, I don't sound Irish because it's Phil hosting this week's episode. That is because Liam's had an unfortunate accident. Um, and by that, I mean he thought he could boogie, but in truth, he could not. And he seems to have uh, gone a little bit too low on the limbo and done his knee in. So uh, he's uh, sat on the sofa right now feeling quite happy or dosed up on painkillers, I imagine, um, nervous about what we're going to say about him in this podcast. So um, let's get into it. And in typical Liam fashion, it is a special episode because um, we have a repeat guest. is a come back on for his third appearance. My good friend, Tony Katowski, um, all the way from Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome, Tony. Welcome back, mate. How does it feel to be the three-time appearance <laughs> and I'm not bugging you guys to get me back on, but it's all in good fun. No, it's great to be, great to be back on. Great to talk to you guys. See you guys. Um, obviously, we all commute on social media a lot and in our little fantasy football league. Um, but thanks for having me, and you know, ready to talk about talk about the birds and and do a little drinking because I mean that's let's be honest that's why Mick's here too. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's get straight into it. Then uh, Mick is also joining me this week. And Mick, in a little bit of build-up while we we're waiting for Tony's site as audio, you seem to have finished your uh, second bottle of whiskey. Is that right? That's right, my friend. I finished two bottles in, in, in the build-up. But no, um, it was really just the, the dregs of um, one of the bottles that Phil suggested to me last week, which went down very well, but too well. And then I, I just polished off with a, the last of my scapa. So... Um, I've got plenty in reserve, so don't worry about me. As Tony says, I'm here to drink. Um, listen to you guys talk birds. Um, <laughs> but I, like you said, we're, we're without um, our esteemed host this week, so yeah, let's see how we go on. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be fine. This is, you know, I've put off hosting for a while. I made you do the last two when Liam couldn't make it, so I felt a bit bad. I felt I should jump back in and pull my weight again. Um, so, yeah, much been going on behind the scenes, lads. I mean, since... Uh, since Tony was last on, some pretty big changes in your personal life there, Tony. You got married. Yeah, got got, got, got married, finally, uh, as as you guys know. Phil was so kind to, to share the link with our entire group of Eagles fandom over there in the UK that I just had random people watching my wedding from the UK. But I appreciate it because we're all birds fans. So, you know, fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, it shows, uh, it shows the community that we've managed to develop in a little WhatsApp group, the Fantasy Football League, like you said. And uh, yeah, we all ended up watching about, what, I think it was about 10, 11 o'clock at night on a on a Friday or something like that, watching you do your nuptials, all nervous and walking down the aisle. I'm hoping everybody was drinking at the same time. So Yeah, we all, we all had a, a nice <laughs> whiskey to celebrate. I was, you know, I was obviously supposed to be there, so that would have been nice to actually been there in person. But the next best thing was at least watching the event happen. But um. But Mick, you've also been been off for the last week, sort of, or you were off for a week before. You had a bit of a bit of a chill out back to work this week, wrapping up for Christmas. 
Yeah, so I had a week off just um, before before the wind down. It seems like everyone usually takes like the last week off before Christmas, but I tend to just work that week because nobody does anything anyway. So it's just, it's um, sort of like a free hit. If you work in the last week of Christmas, people are working from home. It's a no-brainer for me. I don't mind. So I, I like you said, the last week just sat around the house and enjoyed doing nothing for once it's just it's just nice to to relax and it, you don't have like when you go and you know you, you take some leave of leave from work like people tend to you know go and do things and you know, bring even more stress on themselves uh, organizing nights and trips away and all that kind of thing but sometimes you need to just take a deep breath and sit in your arse drink some whiskey yeah, sometimes you can you can take a bit a bit of time off and you end up working harder and then you by the end of it you feel like you need some more time off and you're straight back to work. Right, well that's that's enough of that niff naff and trivia. Let's get into it. I mean, after after the previous week's humiliation against the G-Men, um, it was back to back to normal business. Beating the New York Jets 33-18. Um, don't know if there's any nerves generally going around. I know last week we were probably more nervous because of the Giants last going into the Jets game than because of the Jets themselves. Um, but we'll just get into it first. We'll have a little bit of an overview and then we'll get into the the usual good, the bad and damn right sexy as, uh, as Liam coins it. And then um, a few little points and then we'll wrap up. But um, Tony, I'll come to you first then. What was your sort of your general overall feelings about the Jets game and, and afterwards? Um, I mean, I would say it's the Jets after all. So I wouldn't get too far ahead. Obviously there was a lot of positive takes. Um, but again, you got to keep perspective. They were playing the jets. Um, Gardner Minshew, Minshew mania, uh, was quite, uh, impressive. And, um, you know, again, take with it that it was the jets, but, um, he was very efficient. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys saw the stats and the numbers, you know, he was the fourth QB in Eagles history to have an 80% completion percentage with two touchdowns, no interception and 200 yards. So, I mean, he's been efficient. He's a, he's a very effective quarterback. I wouldn't, I know we'll dive into it a little bit more about a controversy as the Philly media likes to call it. Um, but he is definitely an efficient quarterback and he's a more than capable backup. Um, and it's great to at least have him on board on the, on the, on the roster. So, um, you know, and then obviously Dallas Goddard had a breakout game, um, about time he's, he's due, uh, he is tight end one now, like you guys have discussed in the past and, and it's time for, to feed the beast and let him shine. Um, and then the last thing, and we'll talk about it more, cause I'll let you guys discuss it. Um, you know, is our good defensive coordinator, Mick, I know, I know. I know how you feel too about Jonathan Gannon and his uh, and his de- defensive schemes because they made the Jets look pretty good uh, for for a part of the game anyway, um, and there's really no no excuse or reason uh, for that. But we'll we'll dive in more to that. But I'll let you guys discuss it as well and, and your thoughts. Um, yeah, um, I think that is it. Ultimately, the every discussion about the game is going to be we did well, but it was the Jets, like, but it's the Jets is going to sort of be the, the suffix to every, every opinion going out there. So it is, is sort of not worth getting too far ahead of ourselves, but, but considering it was the Jets and what we should have done, we did what we should have done. So we, we put up the yardage, 
we we did we moved the ball around both on the ground and in the air um and got it like you said came out and sort of had had the game that we we need them to have in that situation um and so all around i think it's just easy just to kind of go yeah business business was done draw a line of it put a full stop on it and then and then move into the bye week hopefully it's kind of come at a good time as well because of you know sanders getting injured at the end so there's more chance of him him being fit back jordan howard i imagine will be will be back in contention hurts will have time chance to rest his ankle a little bit more and i think um yeah, it was sort of the, the Jets game probably came at the right time for Hertz having an injury. If it'd been any other team, we might have struggled a bit more. But um but Mick, what was it? What was your your, your general thoughts about in terms of the like like uh, Tony said, you know, the stats from from Minshew were pretty were pretty solid and, and pretty impressive, to be fair. But it was the Jets. But still, like what was your what was your take going into the game thinking Minshew's starting? It is the jet, so there shouldn't be too much of a problem. What was your what was your general take of the game in Minshew starting? Well, that's it. You, you've got um, the caveat of it's the Jets. It's only the Jets that we're playing against. Pretty much any start that you can spout, you say, well, we're playing the Jets. Um, but like, if you just look at it now, for um, Eagles against Jets in the series, we're twelve and all on the Jets um, on the head to head. So like, we just absolutely own that franchise. It's it's ridiculous. Um, but going into the game, I think we all had our reservations. We were thinking, yeah, we circled, we circled that one on the schedule and say, that's a, that's a W. Um, we'll win that game. Um, but because of the week before, how we played against the Giants in the same stadium, you know, it just, and knowing that Jalen was out, Jalen Hurts has, and that Minshew was coming in, you sort of got that unknown because we haven't seen much from Minshew. We've seen but he played a couple of snaps um, towards the end of one of the games. I forget which game it is now. Um, the Lions, I think, when it got benched. the Lions, uh, there you go. Um, so, you know, you, you didn't have utmost confidence in the team that they could go and do it, you know. Uh, like, well, going into the game, I didn't, certainly, anyway. Um, and the Jets, I mean, don't get me wrong, they've pulled a couple of, of wins out of the bag this season. They, they beat um, uh, the Patriots and the Titans this year so far, but you know, but as we saw in the field, the Jets are, as advertised, they're a bad team. Um, yeah. Although, you know, our, our defence struggled with them in the first half, which I'm sure we'll, we'll go on to talk about. Um, but for, as far as the offence goes, it's as good as it gets. Um, we moved the ball, we scored on seven out of eight drives. So, you know, as a, a collective, I think we, we had some very good individual performances as well as a collective performance on the offence. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to sum, summarize the game. Is that it was always going to be a potential. It could have been a potential banana skin. I think I said that in the last pod was that you know whilst it is the Jets, they've pulled out some some notable wins. And I think if we if we didn't come out and play the game that we can play and should play and play, you know, if we we'd essentially have to beat ourselves to lose to the Jets. But it was definitely possible that we that we didn't turn up and the Jets sort of you know in theory if our offense didn't turn up in the first three drives, we could have been three touchdowns down in the game and chasing a game against some a team like Jets but you know we kept pace didn't didn't lose our heads defense got it together and then um we just didn't let them score in the second half so i think overall the the, the game plan progression from from the coaching staff was probably a good a good thing overall but um we'll get into that so that's a general overview that we of the game that we've sort of given um let's get into the next section which is the good the bad and the downright sexy 
And then well, before before you do that, Phil, I'll just crack open a oh yeah, by all means, right there, first little sound first. effect for you. Yeah, there you go. That's nice. That's nice. I'll give you one as well. There you go, Sly Fox. That's from Philly. <laughs> ah, some local, some local beer. Well, Philly. Um, yeah. So we got a few, few good, few bad, and one downright sexy. Um, so we'll start off with the good, and I think we've we will start with it already. But Minshew, I mean, for all the, for all the, the consequences of of his good performance, and leading into obviously the, the inevitable two week by week discussion about whether there's a controversy or not between the quarterbacks. Um, he was he was pretty damn good as we've touched. Top four rated quarterback for the for the week. Uh, not for the week, but in, in, you know, in Eagles history to sort of do that in his uh, in his first appearance, first full start. Um 133.7 yeah. passer passer rating, which is yeah. the highest, highest since Foles in the NFC championship game. Yeah. And 20 for 25, 242 yards, yeah. two touchdowns. You can't really ask much more from that from a backup quarterback. If you take the name out of it and you said your backup is going to come in, score two passing touchdowns, throw for two, nearly 250 yards and no interceptions, you'd, you'd bite their hand off and you'd probably say that they should be starting, which is where the argument's going to come from. But, um, but in general, just a, a, a great a great day out, which is, you know, I mean, you've touched on it already, Mick, but if if I was to say if I was to offer you offer you those starts stats at the start of the day, you would have you'd have ripped my hand off. Damn right. Um that's <laughs> <laughs> that's more than you can expect from your backup quarterback coming in. Um there's not many franchises around the league that have a huge faith in their backup coming in and putting up those kind of numbers. I don't think a, a lot of teams in the league could could boast that. And it's credit to, to to the trade that was done in season when we knew that um, that it's, uh, it's fantastic, fantastic value when you put it that way. Or sixth round, sixth round pick, throwaway pick for well, yeah, it's yeah. just a sixth rounder. Yeah, it could turn into a five, I think, if Minshew um, plays another three games or something like that. Is that what the trade deal was, something? But you know, that's is it exactly what you expect from from your backup to come in and perform and. I mean, that's that's all the guy did. He, he came he came to work, and he, and he done it. And you know, it, a, a lot of the I think the the, the game scheme that Sirianni had sort of came up with for for Gardner um, helped a lot. Um, a lot is I think he kept it really simple for him. And and again, we sort of said at the start of the podcast, the massive caveat is against the Jets, who are the second worst defense in the whole league. So. Is it entirely surprising that Minshew came out and done what he done? Not entirely. Um, yeah. Just yeah, just to emphasize that point really quick, guys, is is the fact that um, you know, for better or worse, it is impressive. Like we've had this string of backup quarterbacks that have been highly efficient over the last twenty years. Um, and, and when I say better or worse, is I mean they're Howie, and I know I've said it on this pod before, but. Howie and Laurie's obsession with, with a quarterback factory uh, <laughs> is a good thing in terms of having a capable backup, but then it also creates controversy and creates thoughts and, and things that like, Hey, you know, I know there's a lot of questions still on hurts long-term, but I hope they give him a chance. And we'll get into that more as we talk about the end of the season here um, that they're not, thinking of using one of these three first round picks or trading up for a quarterback in the first round. So yeah. 
Yeah. But it is nice that they do emphasize the quarterback position and do always have depth there for the most part. Um, it's just the problem is they can never settle on in their own mind who the who the starter is long term. Yeah, so. I think I think that that's ultimately it. As much as people get annoyed that that because Gardner Minshew did, did well, that there there is now a, a, a discussion to be had. Even Phil, with... Philly loves an underdog, so that's why yeah. there's always a love for the backup. They don't need a reason to to to, <laughs> to have to compare quarterbacks. It's been it's been the background conversation for 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 plenty of years now. But um, it doesn't help when the game before you get injured or benched, whichever way you want to look at it. He was injured, so he's obviously not been benched, but um, that you had a pretty terrible game and then the backup quarterback comes in and, and puts up those kind of numbers that it just doesn't help your case. So whilst people are getting getting a little bit agitated because the backroom are obviously not settled on Hurts, you can't. Or you also have to understand that from their position, they're kind of going, well, Hurts hasn't quite shown that consistency yet. He's still got that in his game. That being said, from my personal opinion, it's a case of, you know, if I could improve Hertz passing or improve Minshew's running, I'd take Hertz and his pattern and improvement on the passing all day long because I feel like that's that's the more lucrative, that's the more uh, that has the most potential. Whereas, you know, Minshew, like you said, uh, Mick, the coaching obviously knew Minshew was coming in and they schemed, schemed the game, kept it simple, keep it simple, stupid, as I like to say. And um made sure that he didn't have too much to do and and that worked but you can always say that that, that worked as a as a temporary stopgap let's let's bring Minshew in let's make it simple and let's just get through this game so and that's how I kind of tend to look at it is that whilst it, the stats are impressive he's not going to be able to do that against um a better coach team a better quality team like even looking at Washington football team if you will saying that you know against Ron Rivera and the Washington defense, you're probably not going to get that much time as uh, as Minshew got in the pocket. Um, but nice little segue from Mick as well is that you know the coaching was was obviously changed drastically to allow Minshew the, the best chance of success. And that brings us on to the next good point that we've got, which is Nick Sirianni called a good game. I think we can all agree. I mean, the defense took a while to get going, conceded three touchdowns um, quite easily, but. You know, that being said, the offense more than picked up their slack and kept us in it so that when the defense did sort of pull the finger out, the, um, the team was pretty rolling in the second half and the Jets failed to score um, pretty much the entirety of the, the second half. So, um, yeah, coaching, Tony, happy with that for the game? Yeah, for this game, definitely. Um, minus the defensive coordinator, but like I said, we'll talk about that more really quick. Um when we get to it, but um, yeah, in this game, I mean, at least the defense, like you said, Phil picked up in the second half and, and definitely kind of put their foot down a little bit more. Um, but the offensively, I thought the game planning was good. Uh, they still did a good job of, of keeping an even balanced attack for the most part on offense. Um, and I do like that they, you know, were feeding Goddard more balls because the previous week, obviously he didn't get much because he had to block a lot. Um, so, you know, it was good to see that and they just got to keep getting Goddard involved. I'd love to see him get Devante more involved and I, I would love, and I know you guys have talked about it. I I'd love for your boy, Phil Rieger to maybe sit on the bench and, and get some of these other guys, some opportunities. Um, but Nick's pretty adamant on, on him still getting involved. The problem is, I mean, if you watch that 
that one kick return, he fumbled the ball. He, the guy doesn't even look like he wants to be involved, at least during you know, this week's game against the Jets. I don't know what's going on with him, um, but it, it's pretty ugly. So Yeah, I think, I think Rager's um, days are numbered. It doesn't feel very much like he wants to turn his fortunes around, whether it's his fault or not. Could be up for debate, Mick. I think generally, you know, in that situation, it's a it's a fight or flight situation, isn't it? You either either dig your heels in, work hard, and fight for your right to be there, or you you take flight. Take flight. <laughs> good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you did there. Very good. Uh, uh, Rega can take flight anytime, straight to the fucking moon. Okay, I'll just get him out of the franchise, check up on. Um, I, 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 I'm really, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of just um, slating Rega for, for the rest of the podcast. I could if I wanted to, but I won't. And I, I'll just call back to, to the point that we were making about Sirianni and the game that he called. And um, you're right, it's, 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 I am of the same opinion as Tony and probably the rest of the the, the Eagles fans that get the get the ball in the hands of the playmakers. Um, we've seen what Goddard can do on the field. We've seen what Devontae Smith can do on the field. Um, Where's Watkins should be wide receiver two right now? I think he is though, yeah. isn't he? For all intents and purposes, you look at the stats from the uh, from the game. Like Chris Watkins had a very respectable sixty yards for three three. Um, he always gets this. Well, I mean, he's averaging like fifteen plus twenty yards a catch, basically. I that's mean, his he's a field stretcher. That's his thing. But yeah, that's like, his that's his role. He's got. I wish they team. would just maybe not like. It's not really to teach him a lesson, but maybe it is a wake up call. It's just bench Rieger here and get these other guys involved that want to make plays and want to be involved. Um, and it's not so much like a lesson for Rieger more. Maybe he needs to clear his head. I think it's half mental now. So I think maybe sitting him down and giving him the opportunity to, to, to do that uh, would be great. And just like I say, get these other guys involved. Yeah. So. Spe- speaking of teaching, teaching Rieger a lesson, there is a sort of a, a slight undertone where, of Smith getting taught a lesson against the Jets. I don't know how much you guys, believe or, or understand that narrative but obviously at the end of the um the Giants game he was pretty outspoken in his his anger at the team and the coach and that obviously went got out of line a little bit for a rookie it's been put back in his box a little bit maybe um lack of lack of scheming towards him going towards Goddard maybe that was the game plan anyway maybe it's just someone trying to put square pegs in round holes but you know I'm all for I'm all for that sort of someone of um of Smith's um ability. I think um you need to make sure that doesn't that ability doesn't turn into arrogance. I think it was more of a competitive thing because if you yeah. hear the reports on Smith, you see him in interviews. He doesn't have that kind of vibe, at least to me, and from what I've read and seen. Um, I think it's more of just a competitive nature. He wanted to be involved. He thought he should have gotten more opportunities to try to make plays, especially when they were trying to pass to Rieger. Yeah, I think uh, I think the I think previous it... game, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, going from there. And I think part of the game plan was obviously getting Goddard more involved because uh, no one could match up with Goddard one on one, as you saw in their secondary. Um, so I think that was a big part of the game plan as well. Yeah, I don't think I, I'm not saying I don't really believe that narrative, but I think there's also that thing that there is something to be said of um, 
sort of making sure rookies know their place, regardless of whether he's in his nature and that, you know, he step, you step out of line, you get a little bit too frustrated. You know, when you want to win, the competitor picks over and you kind of go, it brings out the worst in some people. And I think maybe maybe that's a good sign. But yeah, so... Yeah, get generally. them in line, Phil. Get them in line. That's, that's, a, that's a Navy come out in you. Yeah, yeah. It is a sort of like, you start to see the little, um, the little whippersnappers come in thinking that they know best and you just kind of have to go, look, I've been doing this a lot longer than you. One, um, one thing I, one thing, guys, I would point out, I don't know if you guys took note of it and we kind of discussed it in our group uh, messages, but during the game was the fact that um, you're talking about being put in this place was Boston Scott was invisible in this game. And I have to think part of it had to do with his crucial fumble the previous week. Cause just, you saw Kenny G got more involved this week. Boston was invisible. Um, and then obviously Miles got his until he got hurt. Lovely so. little segue there, Tony, into the um to another good point in the week. And I think Gamewell's return was 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 definitely a highlight. I mean, coming in for a touchdown, he's um got some good yardage on the ground and in the air. So um when he's gotten his opportunities, he's been pretty impressive. And you guys were talking about the value of, of trades or draft picks. Him being in the fifth round is starting to look like a decent decent pick as, oh yeah absolutely. as we all suspected so yeah 12 rushes for, for 50 yard, four yards it's not not the most impressive rushing stats but he's, i think but he's versatile that's the yeah thing. and that, that's exactly the ball. it yeah. and, that, and that's what i was going to get on to is the fact that you know I, when we when we drafted him the, the thing we, that he was touted for most was the fact that he's a very good pass catching running back and that definitely comes through more in his stats of, of receiving which is five five for five for 33 so nothing crazy but for running back catching that's that's probably you'd say they're definitely above average um running backs receiving stats so yeah coming back into the game and getting that touchdown i mean that that run for a touchdown you know not just the game well side of things but the mylata and um uh who else was it is mylata and dickerson dickerson that was it yep and just the way that 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 route that, you know, that hole was just, it, was, it wasn't a massive hole, but he fought his way through and it was what, a 30 yard touchdown, 20, 30 yard touchdown run. I think, yeah, that that was sort of Dicker, a particular highlight. Dickerson starting to live up to, to everything we expected. So, yeah, he's turning to be he a is very, as, very good second is round. He's advertised, pick. just, you know, knock off words. Yeah, with exactly. his, uh, you know, with his history. So, but so far, so good. And I think generally when we signed him, it's like, oh, he's Kelsey's relief. But, um, but he's certainly making the guard position his own, making himself the, you know, the starting guard, regardless of whether when the injured players come back, whether they're going to come in and replace him, you could argue that they should carry it, they should continue as they, uh, as they, they, they've been for the last few weeks. So, um, We've got one more good point and then we'll get on to some unfortunate bads. But I think the last one we'll do is, is we've got to touch on Jake Elliott, guys. I think after last after last season's sort of indifference, uh, atrocious kicking, missing a 29-yard field goal against the Saints last year. Um, it doesn't feel like he's missed a kick this year, does it, Mick? No, kick, kick, you're right to point him out. Kickers are people too. <laughs> Everyone misses out the the kickers and punters. Um, although not Anthony, he loves, he loves a good punter. Um, kickers but, are kickers can be invaluable. I mean, look at the guy here in Baltimore; he's the goat where I live. So, you know, exactly. Justin Tucker, he doesn't Justin miss. Tucker, yeah. So, um, but yeah, Jake Elliott's had a great year. Um, 
I'm glad to see it because I think people are starting to question that contract extension he got prior to last year uh, and then him struggling a little bit. So it's good to see him turn it around. Uh, general good guy. And, you know, he's been consistent and I'm, I'm glad it's, you know, it's going well and it's, it's big for the team to have a guy they can rely on. So yeah, I think, was, I think it was uh, NFC special teams player. Yeah, of the month, uh, NFC special team yeah. player of the year, uh, player of the month. Sorry. Um, but not, not only that, I think in this game more than any, it highlights exactly how important it is to have a kicker who's, who's rolling because that was the reason I think we all, no matter how, long the Eagles were trailing for because they kept because their kicker couldn't kick a field field goal if it was right in front of them um meant that we were always gaining points and they were they were they were chasing the game even though they were in in the lead so it just highlights the fact that the confidence in your kicker sometimes like you said Mick it just goes on yeah they're people too they go unnoticed but you soon notice when they're not kicking um so they absolutely need recognition when they're when they're on fire. Um, yeah, because the kicking league, league wide this, this season has been really, really poor. And, uh, and Jake Elliott has just been bullseye in it. The, just been the smashing whole... them in. Absolutely. It's... So, yeah, so four four field goals and three extra points in the day, you know, on fantasy points, that's sending it through the roof, I think. I think he absolutely smashed a lot of people's fantasy teams this week. Hashtag VL. Um, <laughs> so, after that, let's move on to... Some of the bad points, because there are some bad points. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It was the Jets, and we <laughs> definitely gave them the opportunity to to get it to be in the game, to be competitive whatsoever. And I think the the best place to start with that is the special teams boys. Absolutely atrocious, I would say this week. I mean, from the off, the first kickoff, returning, returning, <laughs> returning their, their after our opening kickoff back to our own twenty yard line. I mean, against any other team than the Jets. That would be a serious, serious concern, and that would put you on the back foot straight away. You know, fortunately, it was the Jets, and we we could keep pace with them, and they kept missing. Like we sort of said, they keep missing the the field goal, so we were never out of it. But you know, you do that against anybody, especially the Washington Football Team or the Giants or the Cowboys over the next few weeks, and you're you've lost the game pretty much before you start because you're just, you're chasing your tails. Your game plan goes out the window. Um, but not only not only not only the first one, but in general, they just seem to find a hole straight through the middle at least two or three times. I noticed that. Yeah. You know, uh, their returner was just sort of getting to the 30, 40 yard line with relative leads. And on the flip side, as we've already mentioned, Jalen Regis seems to struggle to get to the ten. Um, Break to the house. He's yeah. <laughs> as much as Mick was trying to yeah. wish it into through to the house in the other direction. <laughs> yeah. Well, in in the in the Eagles WhatsApp group during the game, I did notice that every time uh, there was an Eagle, uh, there was a Jets kickoff. Um, <laughs> Mick was trying to wish into reality Rega taking it to the house. And I think we all desperately wanted him to be right, but um, it's and the only time that he actually managed to get even close was, as we said, when he fumbled it. And I think almost he has to fumble the ball. And we can gather it before he can actually make it past the thirty-yard line. If he catches it straight away, it just seems to—it just seems to hit a brick wall. And yeah. I think that also is going to be down to the rest of the special teams not not blocking properly, not not stopping the oncoming team. It seems that they just get straight through, and he's got nowhere to go. So I don't put entirely all the blame on Rager. But Tony, what do you? You know, is it the whole special teams or is it one particular area that you can identify that is the main reason why we seem to struggle stopping returns and also getting the getting the ball into a good starting field position for our own team? 
Uh, Phil, I'd have to say it's really hard to pinpoint, especially on special teams, because it could be a number of things. The way I look at it is it could be it could be however they're doing coverages and practices, whatever their formations are. It could be a lack of talent on special teams, um, just in terms of gunners and, and guys going down there. Um, Sean Bradley is, is having a good year as a, as a special teamer tackle wise. Um, but unfortunately that's after the guy already gets about 25 yards on a return, 30 yards on a return. Um, so it, it's really hard to identify. Uh, it could be any number of things. Let's just hope they find a way to improve it here down the stretch. Cause when push comes to shove, I mean, we still realistically have a chance here guys. So and you don't want special teams to be the reason why they, they lost, really. So, if anything, it's going to be that defense. But I got to stop bringing up Gannon. So, I'll, yeah, I think, that, <laughs> I, th- I think that um, I think it's easy to sort of to a bit like the kickers. You don't notice them until they're doing badly, really. They, you kind of just assume that they should be kicking a field goal and the special teams should be doing their job. But what my my biggest bone of contention with the returns at the moment with Rager is the fact that his judgment of the ball in the air, I think is, his, is one of the biggest problems that the, the special teams has is it very much feels like he always does the opposite of what he should do. You know, he should catch it when he should leave it and he should leave it when he should catch, when he tries to catch it. And I think um, that was more evident. I mean, I, I, I don't entirely blame. I think it was a very good kick and the way the ball bounced on the one yard line was particularly unfortunate, but generally it's this it feels like every time like every time he leaves it it just ends up on the one yard line and i'm thinking that can't purely be bad luck can it nick the guy's a jinx man <laughs> everything he does is wrong it just doesn't seem to work i mean it? he's he's trying to make plays on balls or he's deciding if he wants to catch it or not and then especially on like a kickoff well you kind of have to catch it man because that's a live ball regardless so <laughs> it like i said if they're going to keep playing them, then at least put somebody else back there on special teams that's willing to try to make a play. This guy's got something going on, and I don't know what it is, but he just he needs yeah. a break or something. So it, it feels it feels like they're almost being a bit stubborn, Mick, doesn't it? That they they're, they're sticking with him. Is it because they don't have yeah. anybody better, or or that, they're I, just, I, that at some point he'll pull through? They, they did put Boston Scott in at the end of the Jets game um, mm. on one of the returns. Um, <laughs> Listen, I, I don't think you can do any worse than what Rigger's doing just now. So, I mean, why not just give give Boston a run out uh, on the return? I know he's been a returner for a couple of years and he's not been much better than Rigger, to be fair. Um, or, or John Hyter or some of the younger receivers. Uh, honestly, anyone but Rigger. Uh, but I think it's, it's just special teams. See, when we're taking a, a kick return or a punt return, it, you just, you're almost not expecting anything to happen um, and it's a whole phase of the game you, you know your offense defense special teams and there's nothing special about this special teams unit um, you're getting don't get me wrong they've made a couple of plays this season you had the, 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 the a couple of blocked field goals and um, you know that uh, the blocked punt that they had that they eventually converted into a touchdown so that, that was a nice play that, that Michael Clay had, had sort of schemed um, with his guys and I think it was TJ Edwards that made the play on that and that was that was really good and, and you know these are the things that, that can win or lose games and I just want to see a, bit, a little bit more from, from our, our, our kick and punt return units because just now 
we're getting gashed on on the opposite side, and when we're returning it, we're getting nowhere. It's and and for and for that opening drive, the, the, the opening drive, it's just it's it's just horrible because it just turns your whole perception of the game upside down. Like it's you you've given the Jets a short field straight off on, on the bat, and it's just it's horrible. It's just horrible. I really miss Darren Sproles. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It just it does feel like special teams are momentum shifters. Special teams players are, are the are the point oh, where yeah. the game can turn around on a on a on a sixpence sort of thing. So, you know, like I said at the start of the game, it basically completely turned the narrative into, oh, this is gonna be a hard day. It didn't turn out to be that way, fortunately, but on another day, that would have been like, right, we 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 fucked it before we've even even got on the field on offense. So yeah, um moving on to a, a secondary. Um, negative point would be the defense, as we've spoken about before. Is that uh, a Jets team being able to score three touchdowns on their first sort of three drives is definitely not a good day. If, again, if I said to you before the game started, mate, that Jets were going to score three touchdowns on their first opening three drives without any other information, what would that say to you? Disaster, it would spell like disaster, it would spell like Jonathan Gannon's name. Um, Oh. I can't. I can't handle this. <laughs> Tony knows. Tony's shaking his head. <laughs> um, it's just I can't handle. I can't handle Gannon's scheme. And you know this. You've heard me over the, the last few weeks and and podcast every week, just saying you know that this Ben don't break offense. I absolutely hate it. And I don't know. Is Gannon saying that he doesn't have the personnel for the scheme that he's trying to run or? You know, can he just not run the scheme um, the, the way he wants to? I, I just, I can't get in the mindset of him because we're giving up so much yardage to, you know, mediocre offences. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's happening week in, week out to us. And you can't do that if you're expecting to be a playoff team. The way we are, we're, we're six and seven uh, at the moment, but we need to win these last four games to put us into the playoff contention. And if you want to do that, you can't have a, a defence this bad. Yeah, I think 18, the 18 points that the Jets were, were kept to, you know, when you look at it in a nutshell, we kept the Jets to 18 points. But as, as you've rightly mentioned in your in your notes for the pod, is that that's basically because they <laughs> the kicker was terrible, missed his first two field goals. And when they tried to catch up with a two-point conversion and missed that as well, um, 18 points doesn't seem so bad. But if they make, you know, all of those, make the three field goals, if, they, you know, if they're not doing the two-point to catch up, then 21 points does seem a lot better than 18 you know in a, in a nutshell so um tony what are your i mean i think we already know where, where you're going to go with this one but what's your thoughts on the on the defense's performance overall where where do i even start honestly you guys know i've talked about it i mean i've i've started a petition online to get them fired um <laughs> you haven't it, and it, and it's it's a thing because like I, I get, like, I kind of agree with Mick. Like, you're confused because the guy makes no adjustments week to week. He runs the same scheme and concept every week. He makes no in-game adjustments, yet alone the ones in the week. He does nothing to change his philosophy or scheme to his personnel, which the best coordinators can do is usually, all right, if you have a lack of talent in this area, then you scheme around that. He's sticking to whatever he has. And I think maybe he's taken that off of the Colts defense that he, that he learned from the difference is the Colts have a better secondary than us. Granted, 
you know, Darius Slay should make all pro this year. He's been phenomenal. Nelson is a good cornerback. They've been great. The problem is we have no, no true elite linebackers and our safeties are questionable at best. So when you're trying to run that scheme, it's opening up the middle of the field where the linebackers and their safeties are, and you're running, running that cover too deep. So now everything you got, you're giving these teams while you're not giving up deep throws down the field, you're giving up 10 yards every time down the field. So like you're getting, they're getting first downs on almost every play or every other play right down the center. Basically uh, it's like a pass funnel. Like I said to you guys, that's what the scheme is. And it probably is why we've allowed the fourth most um, fourth most plays in the league. I don't know if you guys knew that. And we've allowed the third most th- first downs in the league, third most first downs, fourth most plays allowed. The, the teams ahead of us in those categories only have two to three wins each. And yet here we are trying to be a playoff team. So, so like to mix point, how are you going to make the playoffs or even think about playing in the playoffs when you have a defense this bad that continually is this bad and performs this bad sticking to their same stubborn schemes and making zero adjustments. The best teams will pick you apart. So cool. We make the playoffs possibly. And then we get eaten alive in the first round because the defense can't stop anything. Um, And then that's going to force Hertz to throw the ball more. And I know I'm getting off topic and and we're talking about the future here, but just this defense, man, somehow I don't know how they're ranked 22nd because to be honest, in my eyes, they should be like 28th, 29th 30th so no. it's probably it's probably because our run defense is still pretty solid but but our our passing defense man you yeah, know 10 I mean, yards think, every play so i think when i think when you are you probably are right then you know your little a little bit at the end then probably gives as much context as you need to is that the reason the the defense isn't ranked so as poorly as maybe it feels at, at times is because the run defense is just phenomenal really i mean Every time you just feel confident as soon as they're running the ball, you're just like, we've got this. Um, is the pass defense, the bend don't break. They're allowing them to have it eight yards so that then you've got hope that you can tackle them with, within within two yards to stop them from getting that first down. And more often than not, it seems that they get across that line. It's like, okay, what is this for? And I know I mentioned it. We, it was discussed a few weeks ago and I, it came across like I might have been defending Gannon. Um, well, I'm pretty sure you I wasn't. It was more of a case of... Um, I just had to work out that what what his plan was. There has to be something there. I still yet to see it, and I don't think there is necessarily a plan. But if you if you look at it from the perspective of if you look at how if the season ended right now, how many things you would change about the team? It would pretty much just be Gannon. I think you you know if you, you know, being kind to to my narrative here is the sense that if you could only make one change, you'd make that change, and you'd feel pretty good about the team if you had a different different defensive coordinator going into to the next season um i don't think we can be too upset that being said in in, in any kind of uh, apparent defense well it keeps it keeps me and mick up at night knowing we still run this defense <laughs> and nothing changes here's the big thing when you're saying making that change for jonathan gannon i'm sorry i'm not going to go on a tangent here guys so this is only my first beer so don't worry um <laughs> the the it you know here's the difference you know let's call it what it is Shane Stetchen or whatever his last name is our offensive coordinator let's be honest I mean Nick Sirianni has a lot to do with that offense too he has changed the game plan entirely to fit Jalen Hurts's his thing and controlling the ball and running he's adjusted 
midseason, which is unheard of, right? On the defensive side, Gannon has done nothing to adjust or change his scheme. Continually does the same thing every time. So at some point, if he's not going to change, then he needs to go, like you're saying. That's my point. So yeah, like, I think, one I side, think... at least they're changing and adapting to their personnel. The other is not. So that might ultimately be what ends up costing him his job if that's how it is you know if that is all it is is that he is stubborn he doesn't want to change his game plan if there's other factors at play they just want to keep uh, the defense from making any serious plays uh, seriously uh, conceding any big plays is that you know if you're gonna it's almost like if you're playing your defense on auto and you're saying just just crack on guys don't do anything stupid don't don't let the, the other team score 30 plus points which they haven't done um, in nearly every game, apart from maybe the Chiefs and Bucks, and uh, the well, maybe a few others, but but any serious sort of like it, in games where the the team's not been super competitive, um, they've managed to keep defenses quite low, and whether that's down to the defense or whether it's down to the poor offense on the other team, you can argue that. All I'm saying is that if you if you're kind of hoping that a, a certain area of your game plan doesn't cost you games, but you're not really worried about it making the game and 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 winning you the game you know you're not really worried about whether the defense is the reason you won the game or not it just you just don't want them to, to cause you to lose it and rely on your offense to to bail you out and to to outscore the opponent then then that's kind of worked somewhat this season but i do i think generally i mean going to agree with you i'm just playing a little bit contrarian here just for the sake of giving people something to to latch on to. But I think generally he's not done enough. Maybe if you're going to make any coaching changes at the end of the season, I think generally he's going to be one of those people that's that's, on, that's definitely on the hot seat. I think Sirianni has done enough to deserve a second season. I'm not saying he's done fantastic. I think, you know, the offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, has um has done enough. Maybe we don't know what's what's him and what's, what's Sirianni necessarily, but I think Gannon's got, only got four games to to prove that he can do anything differently. And if he doesn't, it's very realistic chance. We don't know what how he's thinking right now. So that's the last bad point. Let's get off the bad. We can we can go down a rabbit hole with all the bad things, especially around the I'll defense. Just, if I already have the petition going, guys, and anybody how many signatures else listen, have you got? Listen to, not too many yet. I don't <laughs> think I've made it public enough. All right, made it public enough. But for any of the other birds fans there in the UK and the guys that listen to your pod religiously, you know, feel free to to help me with a GoFundMe next. And what we'll do <laughs> is we'll use those funds for charity, and we're going to pack up Jonathan Gannon's things with those funds and help him ship out of town. And I'll leave it at that. That is some serious vitriol for the defensive coordinator. Um, I'm not going to argue too much with you there. Let's get on to the damn right sexy point, and I think. As we've alluded to, we know where it's all going. Dallas got it. Tight end number one. Breakout game, as we've mentioned before. Some some quality stats. I think um, not to toot my own horn too much, but my outside the box from last uh, prediction. Oh, last here, it was, here it comes. Was to, uh, in fact, I think I even scaled it back. So I thought 100 yards was a bit optimistic. I was like two touchdowns and over 75 yards was my outside the box predictions. Mick, how many yards did the... Uh, did Dallas got it get and how many touchdowns did he get? Oh, he got 105 yards and he got two touchdowns. That was pretty um, early as well. So. <laughs> it was. He'd done that in the first half, my friend. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, 
I mean, this is what we're waiting for. Ertz is no longer in the building and we're seeing him do fantastically well at Arizona at the moment and all the best to him. Like, I don't think anyone sat there thinking or oh, like longing for him to be back at the Eagles. I think we would have him back any day. However, we know the reasons why he's gone, what he's doing there. And hopefully he does get that Super Bowl. Um, but that being said, it was all the, con- the, the, the debate around Goddard and Ertz and whether they could both flourish is now gone. Goddard's now tight end number one, as I've said. And this is this is the first game, hopefully, of many, to, um, Tony, that he's going to um, he's going to take that mantle, run with it, and have many more games like this. Hopefully, he's going to be a top five tight end in the league if he isn't already. I will say that he's the most complete tight end we've had on the team for years. Uh, we know what Ertz was good at and what he wasn't good at. Goddard does it all. Um, it's great to see him. I'm glad we extended him when we did. Took care of business. That could end up being, I know it makes him like the, what is it, Mick, the third highest paid tight end by average or something, but he'll earn every, as long as he stays healthy, um, he'll earn every every dollar. Uh, And just got to keep feeding them and got to keep getting them involved as best you can because the guy is a beast. So when it's working, just, you know, keep feeding the beast. Keep that tight end play going because that really helps with the RPO and and the run pass option. Uh, for for Hertz, so there, there's there's one thing that watching the game back again this morning, I know that I noticed, and I hopefully you guys might agree with me. The catches and running after the yards after the catch on his two touchdowns looked very very similar to sort of Kelsey Gronkowski type of plays that you see them pull week in week out, and you kind of burn. He's caught the ball, and no one's getting. No one's stopping him now. He's got five yards to go. There's no chance in hell this isn't the touchdown. That's that's what that's what I got from that. Like, yes, the Jets defense is terrible. We have to carry that every time we say something good about this game. Um, but it just felt like as soon as he got it, he didn't look particularly quick. He just looked strong. He looked like he'd got the ball. It's going to take a lot to, to stop him. Would you agree, man? The, the only thing that can stop him, not to cut you off, Mick, really quick. The only thing that could stop him is a sucker punch to, at a bar, but that was a whole nother story. Remember that? <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> that was in the off season. Fortunately, he didn't oh, see it because I'm sure if he saw it, that guy would have been in trouble. So, <laughs> but yeah, Mick, what, what's your, what, what are your thoughts? But do, do you think that he's he's got very some some Gronk and Kelsey esque attributes now? Now he's oh, got yeah. sort of a mantle. He was he was carrying uh, Jets DBs into the end zone with him with the ball if they, if they really needed to. Picked him up one one on each shoulder and just you know with with the ball into the end zone. Um, Goddard was an absolute animal, and I'm very glad that um the the how he tied him up at the start of the season went well sorry in, in mid season before it went when he did because um he's a player and we all knew that we all knew that coming into the season that there was only room for one tight end and and Zach Ertz was was on his way out of the building and you know he's franchise legend and all that good stuff but God that's the future and he, he showed that against this game we missed him sorely so so bad against the Giants I think every he was the name on everybody's tongue after the Giants game where was God up um, I know he did a lot of blocking in that game but he's 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 like like Tony um, um, put it he does everything he's, he's an excellent blocker he's an excellent pass catcher he excels in yards after catch. He has strong hands. He, he rarely drops the ball. He, he's, he's a very smart, he's got a high IQ. He's a very smart player, I think, as well. 
Um, and yeah, he, he, he can do it all. He's, like his ceiling is so high. It's, it's like he, he is definitely the damn right sexy for this week for sure. That this was his breakout game, and I just can't wait to see what else he can do for us. Is that tight in one position, make it his own? I mean, is there is there the danger, boys, and either one of you can jump in that his breakout game, funnily enough, came in a game where the quarterback was Gardner Minshew. More of a obviously in the game plan was probably more pass heavy. Does that have would that not be sort of a caveat that you'd put on it at all? I I don't necessarily agree with that. I know where you're going with it. Um, but I I mean maybe, maybe not. But I think I mean you can have the tight end involved more in the RPOs with with Hertz. Um, they are shorter passes, so that should be to an advantage for for Hertz, usually with the tight end. Um because we all know, you know, the things Hertz needs to work on, especially with the deep ball. Um, but I, I don't necessarily agree just because it was Gardner Minshew. I think it's just it's how the game plan worked because they were playing the Jets who give up a lot of yardage and, and, and catches to tight ends in general. Um, and I think, you know, he was involved a lot in blocking the previous game. Um, but I, I would like to see them continue, like you said, to get him involved more even with Hertz back back in the pocket. So what about you, Mick? Do you do you think the, the quarterback situation had any bearing on his game or do you think it was would have happened regardless? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult one because I'm 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 trying to understand if the game plan would have been the same regardless of if Jalen was in there or if um or if um, Gardner Minshew was in. And you, you know the the, the the scheme that Sariani ran, it, it was it was quite balanced on the run throw and even the throwing options that he had for Minshew were all short options. Like very rarely did they did they throw over 10, 15 yards. It was usually checkdowns or you know, hitting Goddard. I think in that first drive he hit Goddard every single play. Um Jalen can do that. There, there's nothing that Gardner done in that in, in that game that I think that I don't think Jalen could already do. So to the point, I think if Jalen was in there, it, it's still for the bat. Yeah, no, I, I it was more of you know a bit of a devil's advocate question there. I knew that no one really wants to talk about it, but it has to be said that you know there is a massive difference in in the game plan and the way and who was throwing the ball. You know, he had them on a screenplay during that game as well. Yeah, <laughs> funny enough, and it's it's one of those. It is one of those things where there will be people out there, including myself just then, that will, will try and draw that narrative. And I don't want to take anything away from Goddard because, you know, I just want him to be good. I want the Eagles to win. I want him to be the tight end one. And I want him to be putting up those stats every week. I don't really care who the quarterback is. In that regard, you know, I'd rather it was Hurts. And I hope it's always going to be Hurts. But ultimately, you know, the team needs to win is priority number one. So that's that. That's the, that's the Jets game wrapped up, boys. Unless you've got any further points that you want to add. Um, before we move on to the final bit, no, happy days. Like, so <laughs> you guys got to bring the juice, man. You, you know, you guys got to bring the liveliness. I know you're missing your your host with the most, Liam. You're doing an admirable job, though, Phil. Oh, thanks. Oh, bring, thanks very bring much. Some, bring some juice, boys. I know it's late there in the UK, but <laughs> the proverbial <laughs> shit sandwich has just been thrown my way. Um, I'll take that under advisement next time I host. Um, <laughs> you want some cat? You want some catch fire? My father also. I'd love it. some. I'd absolutely love some right now. Whoa, whoa, like, whoa, whoa. What's Catchfire? What's this? It's like Tennessee whiskey. It's like, it's like Tennessee JD. whiskey. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, shitty. It's like Fireball. Yeah. So 
Oh, okay. Uh, I know what five five yeah. yeah, cinnamon yeah. whiskey, basically. Liqueur. I, I love it, especially with a couple of cubes of ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I'll try to be more lively in future, uh, Tony. I'm taking under advisement. Um, no, I'm just messing with you guys. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I, I want to keep it um, short because, yeah, at the end of the day, we do have bedtimes. Tony's just about to sit down for a, his evening dinner and we're about to, to go to bed on a Friday evening. So um, the last point is basically picks versus playoffs. And it's obviously been pretty much the main narrative for this whole season whether it's a rebuild, whether we're trying to go for the playoffs, whether we're going for three first-round picks because we want three defensive players or whether we want to use them all to trade for Deshaun Watson. Pretty much every conceivable combination has been you know, thought of and debated throughout the season. The Eagles aren't doing as badly as a lot of people thought. So therefore, our pick's not going to be as, as good regardless. One good thing is the Colts obviously winning. So we're getting a first round pick from them. 99% sure that's going to happen now. Where that pick's going to come, probably going to be late teens, early 20s at best, probably right now, I'd, I'd, I'd guess. And the Dolphins. Um, currently, they're at 18th. Yeah. So we'd have their 18th pick. Yeah. Since they started 0-3, we all thought it was going to be great. But then we also were worried they might bench wins. Yeah. But since they went 0-3, they're 7-3 and now, and they're only two games out of first, and they're in eighth currently in the AFC, so they're one spot behind a playoff spot. Yeah, so, so yeah, so with the Dolphins as well, we've got a team that's not great, and we thought that, that pick was going to be pretty high as well, but they're also picking up a bit of momentum. Yes, they played some terrible teams, but... Five pick, in a row. Yeah, yeah. Their, pick, their pick's not also not going to probably be in the top 10 either, and our own pick currently sat at 13, 14, I think it is. 11th. 11th, sorry. 11th, yeah, 11th. Um, and we're ninth in the NFC, so we're right there, like we're saying, for playoffs. So, so yeah. I mean, it's still great, great value to have three first-round picks, especially, God forbid, if they really like somebody, then they could package two of them, possibly, and move up. Unfortunately, I would love to have, you know, mixed boy Kyle Hamilton, who just declared today to the, uh, that he is going to the draft. Love to have them because we need them. Um, and this is a whole nother topic for a draft thing, but I don't think we're going to be in the range for that unless we find it somehow maneuver a trade up, which I don't know if it's worth that much. So, so given all that information that we've just done, <laughs> given, given where all the, given where all the picks are right now, boys, I've got two questions, one for each of you. First one I'm going to ask for Mick is would you right now looking at the way the picks are sitting middling, would you be looking to trade those picks for 2023 pick draft capital? Or would you be thinking, no, I'll take wherever these three picks comes and I'll just take the best players available on the board. Would you be looking to maybe maximize 23 when you know what, you know, you've had a full season of hurts, the quarterback um, class this year isn't great. Would you be thinking, push it a bit, push it back a year, get more, get more bang for your buck and go for hopefully one of the quarterbacks in the, 2023 should Hurts not not be the guy? Yeah, well, if, if Hurts isn't the guy, then in 2023, you'll probably have a top 10 pick because the Eagles won't have performed very well in 2022. So I, I'm sort of forgetting 2023. 2023 is miles away as far as I'm concerned. Um, where it hangs up for me is where the, that balance, like Tony was saying, between getting you know these really top blue chip players, like the, the best of the best, um, 
when you've got so much capital, do you trade up from you know wherever we land? Say we land where it is just now, a position 11, 12, and 18. Although I think the Colts could probably end up making the playoffs, we could end up making the playoffs. Miami might just somewhere in the middle, um, and we could you know sort of package that, but. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a lot of talent in this draft, and I don't know, right, you can you can hang me out to dry on this if you want. Maybe this happens every single year, and it's just me, but this is the first year of proper, proper, proper been watching college football, like, every week, day in, day out. I've been reading the stories, watching the games, keeping up with all the draft prospects, you know, who's in, who's out. Um and I just feel like this year, I, I, I like a lot of guys up and down the board. So um, if, if we've got, if Howie, Howie's picking, remember, so we've got to keep that in mind that, that the guy <laughs> the guy who's throwing the darts isn't particularly great at it. Um, but we've got three, we've got three chances here. And I think we stick where we are. Like playoff football is where you want to be. It's where Everybody wants to be, and I wouldn't ever give up playoff football for a higher draft pick. Um, so the point I'm trying to make is I think I would stick and I would take the best player available. And I think we really need to show up on our defense. And there's a lot of good there's a lot of good corners in this draft, and uh, there's a lot of good edge rushers in this draft. So I think even though if we're falling in the mid, you know, if we're in the teens or if we're in the twenties, we can still pick up some really good some really good players. Yeah. No, fair enough. I think that's probably where I'd where I'd rest rest on it. I think ultimately you can't plan too much for tomorrow because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um so much can change in 12 months, let alone 18 months when the 2023 draft will be will have taken place. Um and who where we will will be right then. Tony, anything to add before I move on to your particular question, what you would do? Um no, I, I mean if we're if we're hitting on, you know, looking forward. Uh, I, I don't think with the draft and related to that, I agree with Mick. I don't know if I would wage those, you know, multiple picks and, and trade back into next year or whatever it may be. Um, I, I think you go for best available. If you do see an elite guy that you really like and you hit with one of those picks already, then you package the other two to move up, whatever it may be. Um, then, then you move in that direction. Um, but I don't, I don't think you reach either. I wouldn't reach in this draft. There's plenty of depth at other positions and some other positions there there's less depth. So, um, you know, quarterback isn't exactly great. Not that we need a quarterback. I'm not trying to start a controversy here that everybody wants to talk about. Um, but you never know with the quarterback factory. Um, but that's one of the positions where you definitely wouldn't reach, uh, among others. So yeah, I would not trade, trade back or anything like that uh, okay. if anything i would trade i would trade up if you see a guy you really like that is a for sure elite talent at a specific position so yeah he really likes a trade on the night doesn't he yeah i think i think when you've got three first round picks there's a high chance that you don't pick those exact three picks whatever happens whether it's up or down i think there's a strong chance um of something that happened but we're gonna have plenty of to talk about in the off season so i'm sure we'll cover it more then um so the last little bit for you, Tony, I've got is where we are right now. So we're four games left, where the Eagles are currently sitting on the you know, on the on the cusp of making a wild card spot. Um, last few games. 
should we be prioritizing the playoffs or should we be thinking actually we don't want the picks to get any worse <laughs> now now you're talking my language because i am like in between obviously as a fan you don't root for your team to lose i'd love to see you make the playoffs and hey maybe we pull an upset because anything's possible right but if the reality is if this defense continues if we somehow squeak into the playoffs we're not getting far so um it, it's hit and miss because the problem is you want to at least have one of these three picks higher up and it's looking more and more likely that it's going to be our pick than the other two, the way the other two teams are playing, like you guys just hit on. So I would love to see us make the playoffs just for the fun of it. At the same time, I'm also in the back of my head conscious, like I send in our group, you know, the draft gifts, because I'm always about draft season, as you guys know. So it's like, and then you have to think, well, Howie's drafting. So now, now it's like, how he doesn't have the best history with the first rounders like everybody knows so it's like where do you go here i i would love to see us go on a run and make the playoffs i know we won't go anywhere probably but um i hear a bottle opening mick mick's got it going there he is and uh i could use some of that right now and so yeah phil that that is a tricky question to to say the least i i want to i'm rooting for us to win and make the playoffs, especially beat our rivals in the division. But at the same time, I'm keeping in perspective that I love the idea of having three first-round picks and at least having one of them in the top 12, potentially top 10 if we lose more games, especially if we lose to Dallas and Washington twice. Yeah, I, th- I think so, I've, I've been up in a staunch. Um... You know, and, and if we're looking ahead, I mean, realistically, the way we've been playing, we'll probably – my thought is we'll probably split those next four games, probably go two and two, one and three. I don't see us winning in Dallas right now. Giants, we should beat. But then again, we said that two weeks ago. And then, you know, Washington's playing really good football right now. So we could split with them. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, our strength of schedule right now is 17th remaining, 17th. So it's 500 um, overall with those four teams all in our division or three teams all in our division, obviously Washington twice. So, so it's real tricky because the teams that are right ahead of us in the playoff hunt, you know, Washington, obviously we control our own destiny against Washington in that regard. So if we win both games, we're going to have the tiebreaker on them regardless. So mm-hmm. we control our own destiny playing that, but then you have San Francisco who, if they can just figure out the quarterback position, eventually should be a really good team because the rest of their team's pretty deep. Um, and they're six and six. And then unfortunately, Minnesota had to win last night because I would have loved for them to lose to help us out in that regard. And they, they did their best to almost blow that game after having a 28 nothing lead. So, um, you know, maybe if, you know, Chase Claypool didn't point and waste time at the end of the game. So <laughs> it, it could go anywhere. But here's the here's the thing. I mean, I'll go really into it really quick, guys. It's the fact that like Washington's remaining games are they have Dallas this week. That could be a loss. They have us, like I said. Then they're at Dallas again. That could be another loss. Then they have the Giants. So it's like it could go any 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 which way, honestly. So San Francisco is at Cincinnati. That could be a tough game. They have Atlanta. That's a wash. They should win that at home. They're at Tennessee. That could be a loss potentially. Versus Houston, hopefully they could win that. And then they finish at the Rams. 
another team trying to fight to stay in it. So in their own division. And then Minnesota has Chicago, the Rams at Green Bay, which could be a loss, and then Chicago at home again. So the Rams and Green Bay could be losses. So, I mean, the way you're looking at these schedules for the three teams ahead of us, they could all split those games at best. So that keeps us in the hunt. If we went somehow win three out of the next four, we're probably going to make the playoffs. That's just the reality of it. So do I want us to make it? Sure. Do I think we can make it? Maybe. It, it all <laughs> depends on another number of things. So, and I also love the draft. So yeah, Phil, it could go, it could go any number of ways. So well, well ne- next time we have you on, maybe you'll have, have come off that fence and given us an actual answer. But in general, <laughs> I no, no, no. I, I, like, no, it's it's completely hypocritical of me to say that I'm aware of the hypocrisy. It, of what it's I'm tough, saying. man. I, I want us to make the playoffs, but I also want us to have good draft position. So it can go either way. Yeah, I think I, honestly, however we come out of this bye, however we perform. Obviously, if we get blown out or we lose the next game, then it's pretty much over, honestly. So I'm, like, I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you. That's so then exactly start losing. And I'm not saying pull what, what the Eagles pulled at the last week of the season last year made it more obvious than ever. But, but you know, get guys, younger guys in there, get them playing, develop them, quote unquote, not tanking, um, and go from there. Yes. The scary thing is, guys, I don't know if you saw this stat really quick, but I don't know if you guys caught this, but apparently a real fact is the last last five Super Bowl champs have all come off a bye in, in numerous numerous. Yeah, I saw order. that stat today. And it, so it, it's it crazy. So like, you know, Pats week nine, Eagles week 10, Pats week 11, Chiefs week 12, Bucks week 13 last year. And then this year, week 14, which would be us, of course, Miami and Indiana, who 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 we have their picks, of course. And then obviously the Pats again. So it'll probably end up being the Pats that win it all. But uh, probably, not to make no not to make anybody disgusted on this pod, but you know, so right. Yeah, no, I like I said, I was completely in, in agreement with you. Like I've said it before, I can't tank. I, I don't like the idea of tanking, but at the same time, the idea of the picks that we've got available getting higher and higher is also nagging in the back of your mind. It's hard to it's hard to make a make a, an actual decision on what you would prefer it's that neither is preferable going into the wild card round and getting your getting blown out or having really high draft picks because you've had an absolute terrible season neither is really preferable i know there is another option that they go they have a, a fluky playoff run for some reason which i know is, is incredibly unlikely but mick just quickly before we finish the pod do you got mm. anything to add on what you would prefer or what you where your part is that where, you, where your head's at right now are you up, up, up or down where are my head's at? Where's my head's at? Um, it's really difficult for me. Like I said, this was the, the first season of uh, being properly engaged in college ball and having, you know, towards the, the first half of the season, we had three top 10 picks and, you know, you're looking at all your favourite guys and, and they're within your grasp. And like Tony pointed out, Kyle Hamilton, he's, he's my boy, the Notre Dame safety. And like, we're, we're, we're it's gone. Like he slipped away from uh, of our fingers just now, um, and that sort of breaks my heart. And I'm sort of thinking, I wish, I sort of just wish the Eagles would almost tank just so we can we can get some of these, you know, these studs that are coming out in the draft rather than trying to rely on Howie making an informed decision and picking the next Riga. 
So <laughs> that's where the balance is for me personally. Um, this year, like I've already said, that I would rather get in playoffs because that's where you always want to be but if we lose this next game we're not going to be in the playoffs and I, I think I would I don't want I would never want the Eagles to to like I wouldn't cheer on to actively lose a game I just would never do that I'm a fan fans don't do that um, but I wouldn't mind to pick up some of these players because I've, I mean these are guys that you're watching every week and, and you, you start to build that sort of connection and, and you really like some of them you know and you, you just want to see them you can imagine them you can see them in midnight green already you're, you're, you're making that connection in your head you're, you're putting uh, two and two together uh, and, and you're just sort of wishing it into existence I think I think this pod's going to end up being a good advert for the uh, the condition now now known as EDD, the Eagles Draft Depression. Um, if you need to seek help with that, then get in touch with the pod. And we'll Mick, Mick, when you say you actively help. actively lose, you mean like a Nate Sutfield game? So. Yes. Well, that's the best. Let's not talk about that. Um, don't think the Giants we, have we, still we don't got have over that, that do we? We've got who's our third quarterback? Brissett. I don't no. even know the guy. So. <laughs> It's the guy for the Dolphins, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know him that well. So, yeah. uh, cool. Well, I think that's that's we've covered off that enough. Everything tonight, the Jets. We've got we've had a little. Well, there, bit. there, yeah. There's one double negative I will say to finish off on all this is the fact that you're talking about the draft and playoffs. The, the real double negative for us in this scenario, and like Mick was hitting on, is the fact that. God forbid we get so close to the playoffs, but then don't make it. And so do the other two teams whose picks we own. Then that really puts us in a hole because we're having very mid to late round picks. Three of them. God forbid it's great to have three first round picks. But I think at that point, if that's the case, I think two of those are going to be used to move up. Yeah, Because I don't think they're going to keep three picks right there in the teetering things. They're going to try to move into the top 10, if anything. I th- so, yeah, I think I think with having three of them, you've got yeah. a lot of potential one way or another. There's, there's more, you know, we, we look how it was last year. And I think in general, whether they were going to trade up to get Smith, whether they weren't, whether they're going to trade up to get Waddle or Pitts or anything like that. With only one first round pick, it's always very difficult to sort of imagine a situation. But with three, there's there's a quite an infinite amount of possibilities. So just to wrap up then, I'm going to touch quickly on the fact that we... Um, we also had a bit of a watch along at Pass Young Avenue um, last weekend. Unfortunately, me and Mick and Anthony weren't able to attend. I was on my way back from, well, I was actually watching Manchester United play Crystal Palace in Manchester, so there was no chance I was getting across country to uh, to watch there. But I really, really was looking forward to be there until they uh, flexed the game to the Sunday afternoon. Um, but by all accounts, it went went off without um, without a hitch. It was quite a good turnout, and uh, and the guys obviously got to to watch a a good Eagles win against a terrible Jets team. So um, we will definitely be doing another one as again. Hopefully, the entire and next man up cast can make it. But I'm definitely looking forward to one when I can and having a few beers and in Passyunk with a with a Philly cheese steak, watching it with hopefully Mick, Liam, and, and Anthony. Um, and Tony, if you fancy getting a flight over, then you're more than welcome as well. But um, I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be an expensive Philly cheesesteak for you, considering how close you are normally. That's going to be more than just <laughs> a, a trip to come watch a game at the bar, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. Well, as as we you know, 
as is painfully obvious, we're on a bye week, so there is no game to preview this week. So we're not going to be uh, giving any predictions or or looking ahead to the game on Sunday, but I'm sure we're all going to enjoy red zone. Um, I certainly am, uh, without any fear of whether the Eagles are going to disappoint me or not. Um, we will be recording an, uh, another pod next week, um, previewing the Washington, Washington game, and um, we will see you all then. Thanks very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. Thank, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. If you hate me after all I say, I can't put it off. Just gotta tell her anyway.